This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So we have been going over and teaching about the birth and life of Jesus Christ. You know, and I'll make this statement later on in the teaching. It's going to come out, but... Uh, you know, in our lives, it doesn't matter what low you are at. It doesn't matter what heights you are at in your Christian world. You may, you may be at a high, in a, a height in your life, and you know, things are going well. And you may be in places where you find yourself in lows in your life. Lows doesn't mean you're not walking with God. Low just means there's some things that have attacked you. So whatever is going on in your life, regardless. But you know, in every place in our life, we can find a place of humility. It isn't regardless of how. You may think, well, you know, I'm going through this in my life and, and this is really, you know, this is really weighing on me. He cares about this thing that is happening. It's weighing on me. But you can find a place of humility right there. And you may think, well, I'm, be, I'm humble. No, you can find a place of humility in every place in your life. See, I look at, and, and you know, all the messages that have gone forth, you know, as I consider last week's, the, the gift that keeps on giving. And, you know, it's amazing how we miss the humanity at times of our Lord. We miss it because He is God in the flesh. Of course, He is God in the flesh. But we think that He did everything as, and what I mean by that, that, you know, there's a, there's a, I love one passage of scripture that the, the one version of the scriptures that it says, though being in the form of God, he says, he did not count his equality. He didn't count his equality with God as something to grasp, as the thing to grasp. He never counted his equality with God. Think about that. He never counted his equality with God. Like, he didn't put that in the equation. He said, I don't count my equality with God as something that I'm going to grasp, like the thing I have to hold on to. Everything that he did, he did as man. God in the flesh. He did as, he, that, that's what I love. Is it, it's, in every temptation, in every trial, it's like, I'm going to show you and, and what, what mankind can do. You know, what, what this body, see, when I told you last week, the body... The, the son was the, the, uh, a child was born unto God's purpose, but the, the son was given to fulfill God's purpose. There was no failure in God's from the very beginning. The son was going to fulfill his purpose. But you know that everything that the son experienced in the body, I thought about this. We've I, I, talked to Armani because I know she recently had a child. I said, but you know that everything you went through, the struggles that you went through in, 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 in her young body, I said, imagine Mary. I said, she had to carry this child. Every, nothing was, nothing was uh, supernatural as about, about her carrying the child. That was a natural carrying of that child. Everything that that child... I thought about, you know, the, the things that you have to protect your child from. The body. He was in that body. He was in the body subject to the elements of the world. He had to be taken care of as a baby. Everything, he was not, God was not, you know, they had a responsibility to take care of this child. Even though God, think about it, when, when he was in danger as a child, he, he, he appeared to Joseph and said, get out, of, uh, get out of here and go to Egypt. 
He said, well, oh, I'm sorry, go to the place where he said, because, because uh, uh, they're seeking this child to kill him. And it was Herod at the time. Seeking the child. They're seeking him. I need you to leave this place. I need you to go here. Because out of this place, he was going to call his son. See, all of these things, God is like, I'm protecting this child. But this child had a body. The son had a body that was exposed to elements of this world. I thought about, and you're going to see, that the attacks that you get on your mind, he had those, he had those attacks on his mind. Those things that you experience, the sorrow that you experience. Now, it was, now, how he dealt with it is different from you because he is God in the flesh. But the experience of those things, you cannot leave that humanity part out of our Savior because he is the man. He is the man, Christ Jesus. I love that because you think about it, the gift they keep on giving. The Bible says, see, see, the thing is, without the body, he cannot be the intercessor that he needs to be for you. He cannot, because that body is, stands before our God. That body, the, the 100% God and 100% man stands before the Father, making intercessions for you. Now, how that body is glorified, I can't answer those things. But the thing is, he is the man. I like, he is the man, the Bible calls him, the man, Christ Jesus. So he was, and, and you know, all these debates that we will get into, you know, I'm going to go back over them, but, but I found that interesting that as I studied, this was more about his humanity. This was more about, this is what God has done in this humanity. In our, to, he, he did it all. Everything that he needed to do, he did it in a body prepared for him. So, during this Christmas season, I made some statements, and I want you to go to the book of... Let's start in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. Let's read our foundational scriptures first. Isaiah, chapter 9. And I don't think I went here last week, but let's go here. Because this is all about the child that was born, the son that was given. Starting at verse 6, when you're there, say Amen. And then you can find your passage in Hebrews, chapter 10, because we'll run there. Been in Isaiah chapter 9, start at verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I want you to go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. And then we'll run to Isaiah chapter 40. Let's start at verse 1. For the law, here's some pages, Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 1. It says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of those things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because the worshippers, once purged, should have no more conscience of sin, but in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls 
and of goats should take away sin. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Psalms chapter 40. And keep your remnant in chapter 10, because we will run back there in the Hebrews 10. But in Psalms chapter 40, chapter 10 of Hebrews actually cites this scripture in Psalms chapter 40. Starting at verse 6. It says, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings hast thou not required. Sorry, I hear some pages. Chapter 40 of Psalms, verse 6. It says, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings and sin offerings has thou not required. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. And I made some statements during this Christmas season at Church of the Living Water. We've been directed to lead this congregation by the teaching of the Word to concentrate on the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ from the Old Testament to New Testament. And I said, To what purpose are we doing this? And we want to come to a better understanding of the true meaning of Jesus is the reason of the season and how it pertains to establishing our lives and our ministry. We want to see the importance of his birth in our lives today. You know, how we're going to accomplish this is we're going to examine why this child was born and why the son was given. And I made this statement and I'll make it again. The child was born into God's purpose. The son was given to fulfill his purpose. So we want to examine how the Son fulfilled the Father's purpose. And it was all about an attitude and a mindset that the Son had. You know, once again, there was no failure in Him. But that child, and I made this statement, Hebrews 10 and Psalms 40, the body that was prepared for Christ our Lord, which is the bread that came down from heaven, was not only given to be the body of sacrifice for the sins of the world. That was not His only purpose. If you think about it, Jesus was not only born because God had a great plan, a greater plan, because if you think about it, if you read uh, Romans chapter 8, it says, For whom he foreknew, those he also predestined, and he said, to be conformed to the image of his Son. So, it was not all about coming and dying for you. That was God's purpose, but there was an ultimate purpose. You know, he not just wanted to send your sins away, he wanted you to bring, bring you close to Him. And He wanted you to bring you close to Him because He wanted you to be a witness. He wanted you to be a testimony of what He has done in your life. He didn't just come once again. That's why people, that, there, there's more beyond accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It goes beyond that because God's purpose doesn't start with just forgiving your sin. And if you realize that and at the very beginning, when you gave your life to Jesus... I guarantee you, in your heart, you knew this is not done yet. If you really gave your life to Christ, because once the love of God comes into your heart, it's like, oh, what a love. What is this love? You know, what is this? You know, what, what, what has just happened to me? Who is this God? Who is this God? So I know Him as Jesus because I called upon His name, but who is He? 
So he does not just save you, he draws you to himself. And the son, the, the child that was born, he was born for purpose. He was born, that child, it had to, he had to come as a child. He had to be, he was born unto God's purpose. But the son given, was given to fulfill the purpose of God. But that son, that body was not only a sacrifice for sin, but that body, the life that he was going to live in that body, was going to testify through all ages to mankind. I said that it was going to be a blueprint, a detailed outline or a plan of action of service to God. It's a detailed, a, a, a detailed outline or a, or, or a plan of action. Think about it. So everything we have to examine how Christ lived in this body. How did he live? You know, because once again, he was touched by... Think about it. God. God in the flesh. But God, the Father, doesn't know what... How could I say? The Father doesn't know the elements of this world. The Son knows the elements of this world. And you may think, but God knows everything, but he's never been touched by them. He has never been touched by those things. The Son has been touched by them all. Because if he has never been touched by it, then he can't relate to you when you go through it. He cannot say, no, I, he cannot be a faithful and just high priest. Because how can somebody relate to you if they've never gone through what, what you've gone through? You know, that's why when people say, well, you know, when, when things like someone has lost a loved one. I'm going to tell you, I don't know what that feels like. I can only tell you, my brother, I'll pray for you. I love you. If there's something that I... But I can't tell you I know how that feels. I won't know how that feels until I have actually experienced it. You understand? And that's, and that's just the reality of it. But Jesus, He lived that life in that body for purpose. Because He was going to bring you to a place. You see, think about it. When He says He ever liveth to make intercessions for you, that's because he is related to everything. That, and I'm talking about without sin. He never sinned, but he was touched by it all. And we're going to see those things because if he wasn't touched by them, he can't be our example. He can't be the example of what we're going to do and how we're going to make it through. See, that's why he says, Come unto, you, come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. It's take my yoke upon me, upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. Have you ever, have you ever in your Christian walk been at a place where it's like, God, I do not understand why I feel the way I feel. Why do I have to experience this? Have you ever been heavy in your Christian walk? Where there's like, you know, I don't understand this. You know, and you, what, what you do? God keeps you pushing forward. He press, but, but He comforts you. He strengthens you and guides you. And, God, and, and the thing about it, you're going to see that in Christ's life. And then you have people. The greatest thing that we can learn in this congregation is how to serve, how to serve one another. How to. Not just, well, we're serving one another. We know how to do certain services. But how to serve one another. Where it's like, you know what? It's not about how you performed. It's not about what you did, all, everything you got right. It's that you, I want you to make it to the end. I need you to make it to the end. It's not about everything that you performed and how you did and what you did and didn't do right. It's about you making sure you're making it to the end. I thought about Peter and we're going to get Peter. Peter went after Jesus and looked at him at a distance and saw everything that they were doing to him. Everything that they were doing. And... He, in that moment, he couldn't stand. 
But he saw everything that they were doing to his Lord. Every single thing. You know, and he was there for some time. But you know, a lot of times with us as people, we don't know how to serve one another because we're consumed with us. See, service goes beyond just, I'll be there. Service goes beyond. Sir, see, and, that, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. That's why I'm telling you that we could all find, regardless of how high you are in life, what place, plateau you are in life, or how, what low you are in life, you can find a place of humility. You can find, because God says, you need to find it. You need to find this place of humility and humble yourself wherever you're at, because somebody needs you. Someone needs you. And, 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 and you may think that the people that don't need you, the most of those, those people that, well, they really don't need anything. They're, they have things going on. They dress well. They, they, have, they, they, you know, they, they cover things up. They do whatever they have to do to, to continue going. But you don't know until you're the person that actually seeks. And it's like, you start realizing, I like, I like what, what, what uh, the Scripture says, that he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. So, I got this commentary. We're going to look at, 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 at uh, Hebrews chapter 10. It cites the Psalms and interprets it as Christ's fulfillment and the abolishment of the, old, of, the, of the old sacrificial law, the sacrificial system. And then it talks about, I like what this, this commentary says, because he says this word, Thou hast opened mine ears in Psalms 40. It means you have dug ears for me. And, and you know, immediately when I was looking at the scripture, my mind runs to uh, Exodus chapter 21, verse 6, as it pertains to the bond servant. But he said it's not likely because the same verb wasn't used in, in, the, in the Exodus 21. But I'm like, there's a lot of different verbs I can use for a situation. It means the same thing. So that's really, you know, that's really not a good. But and then he says, but he only had one ear pierced, one ear pierced in, in, the, in the Old Testament. And this is talking about two ears. But, so it's saying it probably means when he says, Your ears, my ears you have opened in the sense that you made me obedient. But I'm like, but Jesus Christ learned obedience by the things he suffered. He wasn't just autumn. I think about it. The son was automatically obedient. The son is automatically obedient. He is going to obey. But think about it. The son has a body now. The son has a body that reacts. I think, you know that the body reacts. He, you know he had a mind. He had emotions. The mind actually was triggered and it, it would trigger certain things of his body. So with some, like for example, if somebody's going to hit you, you're going to react. The body reacts. When you, when, think about it. Do you think Jesus ever sneezed? You think ever, anything got in his nose? He was touched by these elements. You know, I think, did this body, and I don't know, I'm just throwing this out there, could this body ever experience any kind of, any kind of uh, hurt? So, because he bled. He bled, he was, he was, he was beaten, and he, and he, so could he have ever gotten cut in life? Could he have ever experienced any kind of sorrow as he grew up, as a child? It doesn't speak of it, because he had a body, it was very possible. You know, we as people think, oh, he's God. He never was, his body was never touched with a sickness. His body was never done this. Nothing ever happened to the, to the son. But I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it did. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that his body could be touched by the elements of this world. And because of that, because his body could be touched by his elements of this world, the son would always obey. But my thing is, 
He, this body was only given to serve and he knew that. The body that he gave was only given to serve a purpose and he was going to serve that purpose. He even told his disciples when he came to him, he goes, far be it from you, Lord. You're not going to do this. You're not going to get... He said, you know, get thee behind me, Satan. He said, because this is what I came to do. Nothing. The son said that. The body at times wanted to back away from certain things. And you'll see that in the scriptures. You'll see how the body, how he was sorrowful unto death. You know, he, he's actually praying about certain things. Even though the son was going to fulfill the purpose of God, the body was not always lining up with, you know, think about everything, different things. He had to command his body. I told you this last week. Your body is only given to serve. And who you serve, you decide. You only have a choice of what you're going to serve. But your body is just a slave. Your body is a slave to anything you've given it, to, given it to. It is a slave. You can never get out. You are a slave in this world. And who you've given yourself to, that's who you serve. But that's what God came. He came to show you a body that was going to serve Him. That's what He came. He came to give you an example of a man. The man Christ Jesus. That was going to serve the purpose of God. And all, and all we got to do is look to Jesus. How did you become obedient by the things that you suffered? So, we talk about, I want you to go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to get into something we got into last week. And then we're going to go into something new. In Philippians chapter 2, let's start at verse 1. If there be therefore, I'm going to slow down one moment. Everybody there? Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, of any comfort of love, of any fellowship of the Spirit, of any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. So, he is speaking about a humility. This is what the, uh, Philippians chapter, he's speaking about a unity, a, a, a unified love for one another that's going to serve one another. A unified love that's not going to think more highly of themselves than they ought to. A unified love is that says, don't think more of your stuff than you are of others. So he's talking about a humility in this passage of Scripture. So, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore also, hath, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I read more than I wanted to. But the thing about it is that 
when you start looking at these passages of scriptures, and I told you about two views uh, in that when I was reading some commentaries, because I wanted to understand, okay, what is this passage of scriptures talking about? So they start talking about his incarnation is what they start talking about. And they give two views of what happened at the incarnation. And they, one of it is called the kenosis, which states, and I want to read it to you because I don't want to misread it. Mis, uh, the kenosis view is what it's called. It states that the eternal son, by virtue of the incarnation, gave up some or all of his divine attributes, which were incommensurate. I'm going to say that word right, wrong. With a fully human existence. The kenosis view of what our Lord did thought to do full justice to the real humanity of Jesus. So, the sub view, which is something against the kenosis view, considers the kenosis view as a very a serious assault against the deity of Jesus Christ. Because the kenosis view tries to make him as much human. They're, like, they're trying to figure out how much, how much Jesus Christ is human, how much Jesus Christ is God, is what the whole thing is. So the sub view considers the kenosis view a very serious assault on the true deity of Jesus. So they replaced it with a view stating that what Christ laid aside at the incarnation was not some or all of his divine attributes as omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence. But it was the independent use of these attributes in order to live a normal human life. And they try to justify it by saying, okay, at the, at the incarnation... Christ laid aside some or all of his divine attributes to make him as, like, this is human. And I'm like, that is crazy. Because you're trying to say, because they, once again, they use scriptures like, because he didn't know the times that, the, were, that were only in the, 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 the heart of the Father. He didn't know those, so he's not omniscient. Or he didn't know where they laid Lazarus when he was, because he, he said, where have you laid him? You know, different things like that. I'm like, you know, that's, you know, you can't back up any of that view with those, those small little scriptures that you're using. And, and the thing about it is, to me it was crazy because they're trying to figure out how much of the incarnate Christ is God and how much of the incarnate Christ is flesh. And that is not the topic of Philippians chapter 2. Because let me ask you this. Can any man ever figure out how much of him is God and how much of him is man or how much did he operate in God and how much did he operate in man because great is the mystery of godliness great is the mystery of what God is I can't understand why because let me ask you this can you tell me how God took the DNA of David and put it in the Virgin Mary without the aid of a man without the sperm of a man but put, can you explain to me how he did that and brought forth the incarnate and brought forth his son? We cannot explain the deeds. What we do is believe that what he did, he placed his son in that womb. And he gave it a body. He prepared it a body. And that body, and I, you know, Minister Martin mentioned about the stain of sin, about the guilt of sin that cries out to God for judgment. Ours, but his didn't. He had a blood. He had blood like us. But his blood was not stained with a cry that says judgment. A cry that says, I, I deserve. It, it was stainless. Innocent blood. Without, and, and can you explain that? I can't explain how he put blood that was not stained with sin. But he did. He put it in a child. And this child was human. A hundred percent human. 
He had every he had everything of humanity that you have that your your mind every every element of you every every physical part that you had he had it in him he had all of that and then he fulfilled the purpose of God in that body so my thing is God wants to see wants you to see what he did in that body that's all he wants us to see what did he do he fulfilled God's purpose in this body so the the commentator's alternative view, and I love it, says, The alternative reading of Philippians 2, 5, and 11 affords a solution which discounts all types of canonic doctrine concerning Christ. The real concern of Paul in Philippians 2 is not the pre-incarnate Christ who empties himself in the incarnation, thereby, therefore, thereby equating the kenosis with his incarnation, rather, the already incarnate Christ is referred to as doing something with the expression emptied himself. The word emptied himself suggests that the incarnate Christ is to pour out his life, having taken the position of a servant already in the likeness of humanity. See, it's not something, and, 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 I, and I, when I wrote this, this is not to exclude, this is not to say that there was no humility found at the incarnation because he came down from glory. To live in this, in this that he formed, in this that he created, everything. He came down, so there was humility. Uh, Minister Martin said, he comes from humble beginnings. Humble beginnings. But you know, there's humility throughout his life. That's who he is. He not just came from humble beginnings, he was humble throughout his life. And he learned how to be. He submitted to the Father's will throughout his life. I'm, I'm like, he fulfilled everything in humility. Because he didn't have to do any of that. I like the, what, what uh, I believe it's in Isaiah when he says that who will go for us? And he says, here am I. Send me. You know, he had a will. The Son had a will. Think about that. 100% God. One with the Father. But he had as a will. And he says, I will go. And he put on flesh. That's why he says, when, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. He said, I got this body. This is my body. And this is what I'm going to do with this body. You know, so in everything that he went through, he made that body obey. He made it obey. You know, you're going to obey. See, and, and the thing about it, regardless of what, and once again, he is the Son of God. There was no failure. He didn't have... One thing he didn't have to deal with is your sin nature. Do you understand? That's why he's a faithful and just type. He understands. He brings you out of that. He draws you close to God. But he didn't have that sin nature. That's the, that's the success of him. He's like, nothing's stopping me. I, this, this body, I'm just showing you how to, serve, how to make it serve God's purpose. Once again, it became that blueprint. So, Philippians chapter 2. Verse 7, in the English Standard Version is what I mentioned earlier. Who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. I like that. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even the death of the cross. To me this is his ultimate sacrifice. His ultimate humiliation. Who was the death of... Think about... He, he didn't just come to die. He came to die a humiliating death. And he opened not his mouth. 
in all of that situation, God is like, no, I am going to obey the will of the Father. I want you to write this down. So the word made himself of no reputation is to cause to lose power. To cause to lose power. To empty oneself. To divest oneself of position. To divest of one of oneself of position. Once again, he made himself of no reputation in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, verse 7. It says, to cause to lose power, empty oneself, to divest oneself of position. I like that. He did not count the equality with God. He didn't count that. But he, once again, I made mention of this. Think about it. He is creator. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He knows. He come into a world that he says, he, he came into it in, in, first, in John chapter 1. He says all things were made by Him and for Him. He came into a creation that was made for Him. And He subjected, him, he subjected Himself to this creation. He sub, to a place that He created, that He formed. A place where He, the, the Bible says, where he, when He talked to the sea and He set a bound that you cannot pass, He did it all. The Bible says that he was with the Father in, 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 in Proverbs chapter 8. He was, he was at his side creating all things. Let us make man in our image and in our life. All things. He knows all things. He is God. Even in the, in the, in the womb of, his, of the mother Mary who gave birth as a child. Think about it as he grew up 12 years old. Did you not know I would be about my father's business? He knows who He is. He didn't come to the reality that He was God. He knew He was God. Think about it. Is God a baby? Can God become a baby? When God is a spirit. God is a, but God in this child, He knows all. He understands all. But limited to this baby. We don't know the life of this child as he grew up. We don't know anything that happened from, uh, from a child. Certain things as a child, but there's a point where there's nothing mentioned, where people try to add things to it. But we come to a place at 12 years old where he still understands, I'm about my father's business. I understand what I've come to do. But he actually was limited to a body. He had to do... You know, I, I think about all that. God, in the flesh, slept. God in the flesh wept. God in the flesh got upset when they were doing what they were doing in His temple. God in the flesh felt all those things. That's why I'm saying we, we miss the humanity part of the Son. Because He was 100% human. He, he had all those things. But He said, you're going to serve Me. The body, He said, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, mine ear thou hast opened. And said, sacrifice and offering that what is not, but a body you prepared for me. He said, I understand what this body was given for me, to me for. So, I, I, I like this. The word divest also means to strip of clothing or ornaments. It, it's interesting, as I was reading, and, and, and I'm going to get more into it, but it, you ever heard of the semiotics of dress? But the semiotics of dress is a term refer to the designs and customs associated with dress or clothing. It talks about, uh, and I want you to understand, it's, it's a study of how people use clothing and ornament, or, ornament, or I'm sorry, 
adornments to verify, signify various cultures and societal positions. I, I want you to read. I want to read something to you. It's important to note that clothing and fashion, by definition, are not the same. This is what I'm getting at. While clothing is defined as any covering of the human body, any covering. But you know, there's things that we put on. There's attitudes that we put on. There's things that we have. That, you know, our body language speaks, and that's what we have on. Different things that we. And God says to divest yourself of your position. Empty yourself. See, and that's why I told you earlier that regardless of what place in life you are found, you find yourself, you can find humility. And that's what God... See, and, 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 and I want you to understand, I want you to go to the book of Matthew chapter 4. Because we're, the, the, we're going to see the humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to get more into that definitions as semiotics of dress. Because I want you to understand that they study how people respond they, how people respond and, and, and how certain things, clothing and dress, what they signify, you know, encode their culture and different things like that. But it was interesting to me because when it says anything you put on is, is defined as clothing, fashion is different. But clothing, anything you put on on the human body is clothing. Anything that you put and take on in your life, that's, it speaks something. And I think that a lot of times we don't, we're not very careful of what we stay away from as it pertains to what we put on our lives. But I told you to go to Matthew chapter 4. Let's read about our Savior. Matthew chapter 4. Let's start at verse 1. It's interesting how you read something like, and we've said it time and time again, but certain things actually stick out at a certain time. It says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So he's being led up to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. So the question is, if you're the Son of God, Make these stones be made bread. And it's interesting in other passages of scriptures, the devils know the Son of God. They know who He is. But the devil comes to him and says, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But Jesus' answer to me was to me was interesting. Very interesting. He says, because he says, but he answered and said, It is written, Man. He didn't say God. He said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So he was like saying, I'm not, I don't cling, I don't, I don't count my equality with God as something I'm clinging to. I know who I am. I'm going to show you who I am as a man. And I'm going to show you this, and this is the example that I'm going to leave. See, he says, and that's why I'm saying that very thing is I'm like, wow. He didn't say, I am the Son of God. He knew, he goes, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the house. He said, I didn't come to you to show you God. I came to call you God in the flesh. I'm going to show you who I am walking as a servant. This body is going to obey me. 
I'm hungry, I feel hungry. I want, I see, and I can do. Because I am the Almighty God. But I'm going to show you who a man is. He is the man, Christ Jesus. Once again, sacrifice and offering thou didst not, but a body you prepared for me. And that body is a living example of what we're supposed to depend on. So man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into a holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And he said, Jesus said unto him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and said unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship thy God, the, the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And it's, to me, I'm interested, it, it's interesting, and every one of those is humility. And every aspect is humility of our Lord. Because He did not, once again, in his, it was not in the incarnation. He took on the form of a servant in Philippians chapter 2. He said, this is the mindset. I do not cling, I do not, I do not count my equality with God as something I'm going to cling to. He did that throughout his life. He would not cling to his equality with God. And you will see it in other passages of Scripture. When he had a right to be God, he would not act as God. He would not, he would not respond as God when he had a right to, because he is God. He didn't need no one to defend him. He, ne- he never needed that because he came to do the will of God. But he experienced all those things. Let's go to the book of... Let's go to the book of... Let me see where I'm going. I wrote this passage down with a pen because I didn't have it available. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. We want to see the humanity of our Savior. That's what we want to see. We want to see because if he doesn't have humanity, he can't relate to us. And he is, and once again, don't ever think that he is like you. He was made as unto you, but he's not like you as it pertains to who you are. He's not like you. It's like so God looks at me. God doesn't look like you. God is a spirit, and that body was given to the Son. That's why, like it says, he is the man. He's not just any man. He is the man, Christ Jesus. The one we look to. The one we follow. That's how we can approach God through the man, Christ Jesus. So, Mark, oh, sorry, Matthew chapter 26. Let's start at... Thirty-six. Then cometh Jesus with them, and he's with his disciples, unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples... Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it possible, if it is if it be possible, 
Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, as I will, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, Peter, what, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. So, have you ever been... Like what I'm telling you, you've got to understand heaviness. You go through heaviness. But this was heaviness that you've never experienced before. Never. Because at this time, he started feeling the weight of sin. He started seeing the things that he was going to go through. He had to have to say, Father, this is the cup. He said, this cup, that, that it's, it's, it's mine. He said, but if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Now, was he going to obey the will of God? He was going to obey. The son was going to obey the will of God. But his body was not... Was, think about it. You've got to think about your body. To me, the body fights to stay alive. The body fights. Think about it. When you're sick, does your body start fighting you? The body starts fighting for you when you're sick. The body fights. You know, the body is like, I want to be healthy. The body, you know that the body, even when it's sorrowful, it's fighting within itself. The body is like, no. There are certain things that it releases. There are certain things in your body. It's like, you know, it, it, the body is interesting to me. Because it's like, this body wants to be alive. Everybody wants to be joyful. Everybody wants to be fulfilled. Everybody, the body, to me, a heart wants to be joyful. No heart wants to be sorrowful. But this body of our Savior experienced exceeding. He was, the Bible says, I'm exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Have you ever been exceeding sorrow? Even You know what, God? I don't want to live. And that's not what Jesus was saying. I don't want to live. To me, I can't understand that sorrow. But he felt it. That's why I want you to understand. He felt this sorrow. And as it relates to our ministry, we got to understand, and think about it, he could not find somebody to tarry with him an hour. You know, there's certain things, and I've told you this earlier, there's certain things that we do feel alone at. And there's certain things that you are going to be alone with, when it comes down to what you deal with as it pertains because nobody feels no understands that but you and God but we should not be people that don't know how to pray for one another because you don't know like for example we don't know exactly the things that our sister is going through who have lost a loved one we don't know the emotion those people that have experienced do and they know how to pray see that's that's a lovely thing they know how to pray those people that have experienced her, you know, I know exactly what she's going. I know exactly the thought pattern. I know exactly how she may feel. I know that they... And I've told you all before, you as it pertains to, to losing a loved one, I've never lost one... <coughs> excuse me. A loved one that close to me. <coughs> and you already know that my mother is dear to me. You know, and, and I've said this before in the past. I had a dream one time, a real, real dream that my mother passed away. 
and it was so real in the dream that I woke up crying. That I was, I mean, I wasn't just crying, I was bawling crying. And I thought, and, and in my dream, my dream was like, where is my pastor? In my dream. Because you do need someone. And, and, and the thing about it, in this passage of Scripture, that's what he goes, could you not tarry with me what one hour? That's, that's the thing about, how does this relate to us? Is in our service to one another. Because there's some people that have experienced loss. There are some people that really don't, you know, they don't have it necessarily together the way you think they should have it together. And you're like, my God, you know, does anybody, have you ever asked yourself, does anybody feel that what I feel or experience what I experience or go through with what I'm going through? Does anybody think like me? Does anybody, you know, you start thinking of your thought pattern as, does any, and God is like, I do. And my spirit in them knows how to pray for you. See, and that's, that's where we have to come to a point where we know how to serve one another. Not just going through the motion, but we know how. And one of the things of knowing how to serve is being there for them. Being there when they need you to be there. Because it's easy when things get hard for somebody else to walk away from that. And not to be there for somebody. But... My thing about the Lord Jesus, He was going to teach His disciples that this is what it's all about. See, I told you, He was only given the body for a purpose. That body was given unto the purpose of God, but the Son was given to fulfill the purpose of God, but He was going to fulfill the purpose in that body. And that body was going to be, that blueprint was going to show you how to serve your God. I want you to go to the Luke, Luke chapter, not to the Luke, to Luke chapter 22. There's two paths, Luke 22 and Matthew 20. Let's see which one I want. I'm in Matthew 20. Because there's similar. Luke 22. That's what I want. Luke 22, starting at verse 14. It says, When the hour was come, he sat down with the, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have a desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. Uh, it's interesting that I didn't read in Matthew how when I tell you that it's, it's not that God could not do certain things. I, I like what Jesus said when, when, uh, when the... And it doesn't give His name. One of the disciples, when Judas came to betray Him, in, in Matthew 26, when Judas came to betray Him, they grabbed Him and one of His disciples took a sword and cut off one of the servant's ears. Yeah, I remember that. 
And he learned from him and says, Did you not know that I could ask for twelve legions of angels and they would come? It was not that he could not be God and act in his... Once again, he did not count his equality with God as something to hold on to, as something to cling to, as something to grasp. As i got to grasp this. i got to grasp this. He was always grasping the... That's why I told you when he said that man should not live. He's always grasping his humanity and showing this is how you serve. And everything that Jesus did, He even told them when they were trying to come against each other, and this passage of Scripture is going to come up, but the sons of Zebedee in Matthew chapter 20, when they said, I want to sit, grant us, when the mother came to him and said, grant us that one sit at your right hand and the other one sit at your left hand. And the disciples, they got upset. They got upset. It's interesting how, you know, you, you start thinking of these things. Uh, we talk about Peter, but you know that all the disciples at this supper that said that we will love, we'll, we'll serve, we will die for you, every one of them said the same. Every one of them. But they all fled from Him. See, you've got to understand that our Savior, He's just an example of service. And that's why I said, how does it relate to our ministry? That's what we look to. So, in this passage of Scripture, as I continue reading, and they began to inquire... Verse 22 verse. And truly the Son of Man, after he says, the, the hand of my betrayer is with me. And truly the Son of Man goeth as it is determined, but woe unto that man of whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves, which of them, what was that should do this thing? So the inquiry was, man, who's going to do this to our Savior? Who's going to do this to our Master? But this inquiry became a strife, which, which one should be counted the greater? So, so it's interesting for you go from one aspect to another but that's their humanity that's who, that's who they are you know because once again I'm thinking when it says to divest of one's position it says to empty oneself to cause to lose power that's a daily work for us it really is because I'm going to tell you we fight to be right we fight to, to we fight and think about it. Even when you try to figure out your situation, it's always about you know how how am I going to come out you know on top? How am I going to shine? How how not not necessarily when it, when it comes to be better than, but it's always about protecting self. We find ourselves protecting ourselves instead of saying, God, where is humility here? Where is humility in my situation? Because I know I'm going through this. And my God, I even tell God sometimes, God, you know everything I think, but you know how I am. You know how I try to put things together. You know what is me and what you're saying to me. What are you saying to me? Because I know how I am. You know, so it's all about... See, that's why it's so dangerous to always say, well, I know exactly. You don't know exactly nothing. You, you really don't. You're, you're in that body that, that's stained with sin that needs to learn obedience. You need to learn how to obey. So we continue, and he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them is called benefactors, but ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. For whether is greater he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat but I am among you as he that serveth. You know, 
the Son of Man, he said it in another path, the Son of Man, he came not to be served, but to serve, to give himself as a ransom for many. He said, I didn't come for that. I didn't think about it. The one that needs to be served did not come to be served. The one who knows he deserves the glory. The one who knows he deserves the honor. The one, once again, all power, all authority, it's his. But he came to serve you. He came to serve his people in every aspect. And that's what we, that's our mindset is how do we come? See, Philippians 2 is not about how much God he is and how much humanity is. It is how do I come to this mindset? Because he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself. He emptied himself. How can God in the flesh empty himself? He emptied himself. And he didn't perform. He did not. He did not cling to his right. Once again, he didn't count his equality with God. Think about in everything he did. You know, a lot of times we count what we have in our in, in, in our arsenal. We count the things that we have. We have this. We have that. We can do this. We can do that. And when he came down to the God card, he put it aside. He said, "I won't operate in that. I will not. Though I am God, though I am equal with God, I will not operate in that to show you." How this body is going to serve the purpose of God. So in anything we see this. We want to see how our Savior commanded his body to serve. And of course he is God. There was no sin ever sin. Think about that. And everything our God did. There was never sin. Never never sinned in his There was no sin found in him. When they examined, even when he went before the high priest and they examined him, brought false witnesses in. And the Bible says that he held his peace and said nothing. He could and said nothing. Because, once again, people say he said nothing so you could say something. No. You know how they say that? You know, he, he said nothing so you could speak. So that you have a right to speak? I think I've heard that before. No, he said nothing as an example so you can keep your mouth shut when somebody's coming against you. A lot of times, that's what we do. We, we're, and all of us are quick to defend ourselves. We are very quick to defend. I am very quick to defend myself. And I am very crafty at defending myself. I'll do it in a very sneaky way, but I've just defended myself. You know. But see, the thing is, we have to understand. Like... To me, I have to watch because I don't like attitudes. And if somebody gives me an attitude, I am. to me, at times, I am very sneaky at it, but I don't have to give you what you want. You know, especially, I, and I tell people, I, work, I got the power. I'm on this phone, I got the power. And so it's, it's interesting because I have to learn that there's times that you need to be quiet. Even the little comments that you make. Things that we do. You know, there's things... We don't always have to be right. Sometimes we think we know everything about everything and the situation. And sometimes, even the things that you think you know the most, somebody knows how to correct you. And that's what... And you know what? Do you find places of correction? Do you look for correction? A lot of times people don't look for correction because they think that they got it going on. And you know what? I think being in a place of correction is a very good place to be. 
Because one thing you've known, one thing you've, you've come to understand is you haven't got it right. You've missed it somewhere. And to me, that is a good place to be. Because now, think about it. You can do two things. When you miss it, when you failed and you've sinned, you can walk away from the things of God. You can do all sorts of things. But it takes courage to stand and say, you know what? This is, that, this is what I did. This is what I'm going to do. This is what do I have to do. Because once again, it's all about the purpose of God. It's not about anything else. It's about, think about it at the very end of the day, it is just you and God. It really is. When you go home, it is you and God. That's a reality check. It really is. You know, once again, people clean up well. We do certain things. We know how to do certain things. But when you with you with God, He knows the real you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your failures. He knows your shortcomings. He knows all those things. And He says, I am the God who ever lives to make intercessions for you. But that's why when, when Minister Stinson talked about the body that keeps, the, the gift that keeps on giving, it's the body, the man, Christ Jesus. The great intercessor. He's a man. And, I, and I, I, I'm amazed at that, how, you know, this Son, this body that's now glorified, stands before the Father and ever lives to make intercessions for you. But He relates to you. He knows what you're going through. He knows how to bring, and He knows how to bring you out. So we trust in Him. Let us stand to our feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.